0: Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. Amen. Turn them in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Um, I heard one of my favorite comedians do a video recently, and he was like, well, what if you're listening on a podcast, or what if you're listening later, like I'm driving down the road, pastor, do you want me to turn in my Bible while I'm driving? Okay, so if you're watching later or listening later, then, then you can go back and look at Ephesians 6. I don't want you to stop your car to, to open your Bible or look, look down and start reading while you're driving. But for those of us in this room, go ahead and Ephesians chapter 6. And before we read Ephesians chapter 6, I want to tell you a little bit um, about me and, and a story Uh, that you've probably heard bits and pieces of if you've been here any amount of time. And i got to preface this story by saying you got to know a little bit about sports to get all the revelation God wants you to have at this church. So if you're brand new here and you know nothing about sports, go ahead and pull out your phone now. Go to Google because you may need to Google some stuff this morning to be able to catch all that God's saying. So when I graduated high school, uh, I was was this height, you know, I was talking to one of our members last week and he was like in eighth grade, he went from 5'7 to 6'1 and I was like, I never had an eighth grade moment. (laughs) I never has. 5'7, that was it. I was this height, but I was, at this point, I was 25 pounds lighter than I am right now. And, and so I was not tall, and I was not big, I was not strong. I wasn't really all that fast either. I had this goal and this dream of playing Division I college basketball. If you don't know much about that, I don't have time. Google it. You can start there. Um, and, and so out of high school, I actually had a really good senior year, and I had some scholarship offers, but they were not Division I. And I was so stubborn and probably not very smart that I said, I'm not taking those scholarships, my only option to play Division I was to go to junior college. And so junior college is these two-year um, schools where you can play, and a lot of a lot of schools will then take kids from junior college, and then they'll get a scholarship for their final two years of eligibility. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to junior college. And I went to a couple junior college tryouts because these coaches, they, they were inviting me to these tryouts. But there was one college that I really wanted to go to. It was called Middle Georgia Junior College. It's not even a junior college anymore. It's something else now. But the um, so reason I wanted to go to Middle Georgia is because it was Far enough away from home, but it wasn't too far away from home, and they were really, really good. I mean, they, they were really good, and I knew the next year they were going to be even better, which would have been my freshman year. So the coach invites me to this tryout, and so because he invited me, I go to this tryout thinking I'm about to be the best one in here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fresh out of high school. You know, I was player of the year in our county. You know, like I, I think I'm the stuff. I think I'm the man. Right? And the coach invited me, so this tryout this tryout's really for everybody else. I'm about to dominate this. And so I go in the gym. There's about 40 guys in the gym. Um, I am clearly the shortest. I have the least amount of melanin. And I'm looking at all these guys that are like 6'2", 6'3", 6'5", 6'6", and taller. And I mean, these guys are like, I mean, they, they, they look like, I mean, they, they don't look like me. And I walk in this gym, and and I'm looking around, and I'm like, uh, I've I've seen this before. I understand this. There's guys that really look like they can play. Eh, They can't really play. The way I, I say this is they look like Tarzan, but they play like James. So I'm not intimidated by a bunch of big, strong guys. I don't play it against big, strong guys. And the first thing we do in this tryout is we get in two lines, and we're all going towards one basket. Now stay with me, and we're in these two lines. There's at least 40 guys, so we got about 20 guys in each line. And it's a very simple drill. It's just a two-line layup drill. So you you get the ball on the right side, you dribble in, and you shoot a layup. And this person on the left side comes, gets the rebound, and then you switch lines and you keep going. Okay, it's very simple. So. So I'm in line. I, I don't know. I'm maybe 10 people back. I'm in the middle, I guess. And, and the first guy dribbles in, and, and I mean, he's like 6'4", solid muscle. He dribbles in, and I mean, he just cocks the ball back and just dunks it. I mean, I mean he dunks it. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody dunk it like that. I was, I was from a little suburb outside of Atlanta. Like, I, I, it, was, it was, I'm about ready to slap the backboard. I mean, and I'm going to slap it hard, and that's, that's an accomplishment. Like, I'm feel like the man because I can slap the backboard. Yeah, it's, again, don't, don't worry about the details if you don't understand that. But this guy goes up, and he dunks it. And immediately, I think, me and this guy, we're about to dominate this, right? Because I, I, I was going to dominate by myself, but no, me and him are going to dominate. And so then the second guy, the second guy dribbles in, and he gets to the basket, and he turns around, and he dunks it backwards with two hands. And so I immediately thought, me and that first guy and that second guy, man, we're about to dominate these guys. These other guys, they got no chance. The third guy dribbles in, and he takes the ball, and he brings it all the way down and brings it all the way back up, and he dunks it in a windmill dunk, and and, and all of a sudden, now I'm nervous. Because now I'm looking around. These aren't a bunch of guys who look like Tarzan and play like Jane. These are a bunch of guys who look like Tarzan and play like Tarzan. And that ain't me. I'm like, it's about to be embarrassing if I slap the glass. A minute ago, I thought I was going to dominate this. Now, I I ain't making this team. I don't have a shot. I'm about to get embarrassed. I start sweating. I'm nervous. I'm like, can I get out of this line before I got to slap the backboard? And, And I'll never forget this. It was almost my turn. There might have been one person in front of me. The coach walks over. There's 40 guys in this gym. The coach walks over and he goes, hey, Evan, he goes, hey, don't worry about this. Don't worry about these guys. If you want to come here, I got a scholarship for you. You're already on the team. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so now I'm not looking at it the same way. Now I'm saying I'm not competing against these guys. These are my future teammates. So now I'm happy that this kid can win meal. I'm like, I ain't got to slap the glass. Here's what I learned over the next four years of playing college basketball. I wasn't going to shoot a lot of layups anyway. Again, if you don't understand that, it's all right. But because the coach told me that I was good, I was already there, I was already on the team, I saw it differently. It changed everything about the rest of that day and the rest of my two years of playing basketball at Middle Georgia. Y'all in Ephesians chapter 6? Verse 10, I don't have time to recap all of what we talked about last week, so I'd encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message because we're going to build on it today. But here Paul is wrapping up this masterpiece that he writes um, to to the church at Ephesus, and he says, finally, finally, to wrap all this up, to land the plane, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not your might, and put on the whole armor of God. Not some of it, but all of it. That, here's why, you may be able, that you would have the ability, you would have the power to stand against the schemes, the strategies, the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battles are not natural battles, no matter how much they may feel like natural battles. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. People are not our problem, but we do have a problem. We are in a battle. We are in a war. Every day that you wake up, you are in a battle. It's just a spiritual battle. And therefore, because we're in that battle, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able, again, this ability that you have is up to you. God's already given it to you. The ability to stand is up to you, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and last week we talked about the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This week we're going to talk about this breastplate of righteousness. Today, if we were going into battle or war, we we probably wouldn't put on a breastplate. We'd probably put on a bulletproof vest. And that bulletproof vest would be there to protect us from bullets um, not, not hitting us. They're going to hit us if they're shot correctly and, and aimed correctly, but, but to, to lessen the impact of it. So a bulletproof vest, the theory is you could get shot with a bulletproof vest and you could still live. But if you didn't have that bulletproof vest, you get shot in the right place and it's fatal. At this time, battle and war for a Roman soldier, if you got stabbed in this torso area, and you didn't have your breastplate on, it could easily be fatal, especially if it hit your heart. So they had these breastplates that were made out of leather and metal, and they were heavy. The Roman um, armor would have weighed about 70 pounds, and a lot of that would have been found in this breastplate. And so they put this breastplate on after they put on the belt, and, and Paul here is telling us the belt of truth, and now they're putting on this breastplate. And this breastplate is to protect the major and vital organs in our body. It was to protect them, specifically to protect their heart. Because just like a bullet or a a sword could could pierce our heart and prove to be fatal, there's also uh, spiritual wounds that can come, and if they pierce our heart, they also can be fatal. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at uh, two other chapters in Proverbs and then uh, one in Proverbs and then one uh, in Romans. But first, let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to begin reading in verse 20. In verse 20, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. And that word springs also means issues or source or boundaries. So keep your heart with all vigilance, with all diligence. Be intentional and consistent about keeping or guarding your heart because from your heart flows all the issues of your life. See. What this is telling us here is our eyes and our ears are the gates to our heart. What we look at, what we listen to is what gets into our heart. Whether we recognize it or it's intentional, it's still true. Even if you don't even recognize that this is happening or you're not trying to do that, what you will look at and what you allow into your ears, what you listen to, will get into your heart. And this will produce the issues of your life. And, and in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says the, "The what's in your heart is what will defile you. Not just, not just what you put in, but what's actually in your heart. Now, we also know that, that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when we speak, we have the power of life and death in our tongue or in our words. And so here's what happens. Uh, Our heart, things get in our heart by what we look at and what we listen to. That overflows into what we say, and so then we speak that. We speak power of life and death in those things. We not only speak it, but we hear it. It gets back down into our heart. And what's in our heart becomes what brings the issues of our life, whether the issues are good or whether the issues are bad. So if you look at the issues in your life, the positive and the negative, you can trace that back to what's in your heart. And you can trace what's in your heart back to what you're allowing yourself to look at or listen to. And maybe you've gotten to the place where you've tried to remove things that are negative that you look at or listen to, but the question becomes then have you replaced them with the righteous things, the godly things, the good things, Because you may get rid of, you may try to get rid of all the negative and not replace it with the positive and still look at the issues of your life and still say, I don't understand where these issues are coming from. And I don't understand where my heart has been turned. But what happens is our hearts become wounded. They become hurt. We allow things in. We're not guarding it. And then all of a sudden, our hearts get wounded. We get that spear, that bullet. And maybe it doesn't hit the heart directly so that you die immediately. But that wound, because you didn't have that breastplate or that bulletproof vest on, it hurts. It hurts. And when your heart gets hurt, man, it turns you. You're, you're more easily offended, you're more easily angered, maybe you more easily uh, back off and become superly passive, you, you become easily jealous. All, all these things begin to happen, not really because you're choosing them, but because your heart is hurt. There's a wound in your heart and that wound is producing issues in your life. And, and maybe, maybe you're in a place where this wound happened to you a long time ago. For many men, this wound comes from our fathers. But for many of us, it just comes from our, our parents is, is usually the first place. It's not that they're trying to wound us, but, but whatever the circumstances, whatever the situations, it, it, it happens. And because we didn't have that breastplate of righteousness on and we never put it on or we never dealt with it, those wounds continue on. And some people carry those wounds all the way to their grave. And these wounds hurt and they affect us. And they're not easy, it's not easy just, just to get over it. We deal with these wounds in many different ways. But if the wounds affect us for too long, then what happens is our heart becomes hardened. As the scripture says, it and it's not soft, it's not open, it's not willing to listen, it's not willing to reason, it's not willing to follow after God in every area because there's these areas that have been hurt and therefore it's hardened and we have to protect ourselves from being hurt again and from being vulnerable again. You see this so many times in relationships, right? It's, it's always the woman. As I said, my wife's not in the building, so she already heard the message, so... I didn't say that part in the first service. <laughs> right, right? But it's not always the woman. But, 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 you know, let's just take a woman for example. This boyfriend hurt her heart, and now her husband pays for it. Okay. Okay, ladies. So this girlfriend hurt his heart, and his wife pays for it. So neither one of y'all, 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 a lot of married folks in here, y'all don't want to amen, and to put, okay, I got you, I got you, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And so this breastplate, it protects our heart, but what is this breastplate? It's not just leather and metal, it's Righteousness. This, this, this thing that protects our heart, this thing that we are to put on, it is righteousness. And what is righteousness? If you're like me and you didn't grow up in church or maybe you grew up in church and you didn't really listen or you just acted like you knew what the preacher was saying and everybody was around you because you didn't want to let them know that you didn't know, righteousness is very simple. It, 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 we don't say it very often, but it simply means being right with God. It means innocent. It means holy. It means just. And so to be right with God is something that the scripture talks a whole lot about. Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says all these other things will be added to you. Jesus says he that whose hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied and blessed. And listen, most of us, if not all of us in this room, we want to be right with God. We hunger and thirst to be right with God, to be satisfied by God and to be blessed by God. We long to be satisfied by God. But Jesus also warns us that our righteousness must be greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, you may not know about the scribes and the Pharisees, but the scribes and the Pharisees dedicated their entire lives... To following the law, the rules. And in the Old Testament, the way to be right with God was to follow the law and the rules. And so the scribes and the Pharisees, they studied it. They believed it. They lived it out. They attempted to live it out every moment of every day. Like they were, they were super strict on these rules to be right with God. And Jesus tells us we have to be better than that. And let, let's be honest. That makes us a little nervous, if you're honest. And you don't really understand the end of where I'm going. Because we know we don't do that. Not like that. Like, like you spent your entire life and every moment trying to make sure that you're following the rules and doing right and speaking right. <laughs> that, that's, that's a high standard. And Jesus says, you see that high standard? Yours has to be better. You, even if you do that, that's not good enough. You can't be equal. You have to be better. And we know that we don't always keep the rules. We, we don't always do right. We don't always speak right. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 reiterates this to us. It, it tells us what we already know, that no one is righteous. Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament in Philippians chapter 3, he lists out all of these good works of righteousness to keep the law that he had done. And that he, he trusted in, that he put on these good works. And then he says, but it's all trash. It's all worth nothing. We can relate to this, because we know we mess up. We, we know that we don't always get it right. And as hard as we try, we keep falling and keep seeing ourselves do good and mess up, do good and mess up. And what, what, what you'll learn is, the weight of trying to always do right and be right is too heavy of a weight to carry. As I told you, the Roman soldier's armor was about 70 pounds. The breastplate was the majority of that weight. Now, the breastplate without the belt would have been too heavy for the soldier to carry and fight. But the belt of truth actually took some of that weight off of the shoulder. And we know that Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. And so in our lives, we do need to put on this heavy weight of righteousness, of being right. But the good news is we don't have to carry it alone, that Jesus picks some of that weight off. He picks all of the weight off of us and allows us to wear it without that weight resting on our shoulders, And if you feel the weight of being righteous, of being right with God, then I would encourage you not to try to do better, not not to try to learn more, to be better, to talk better, to act better, but to go to Jesus. Go to the center of who you are. Go to the truth, the person that is the truth, and allow him to take that burden off of you and release it to him and give it to him because I guarantee you the weight of trying to be right and do right is too heavy for you to carry. Two chapters later in Romans, we learn that that righteousness is not something that we earn, but it's a free gift. This is the good news, because our ability to put on and wear this breastplate of righteousness is not based on our ability to speak and act perfectly. God gives us the ability to be right with him even though we make mistakes, even though we're not perfect. God is not giving us a payment for our works. He's giving us a gift for our faith. And we accept that gift through faith. Because it's great to have a gift, but but if you don't ever accept that gift, then then it's just a gift that's sitting there. I saw, uh, I'm not even sure where I saw it, but I I saw um, a gift, either it was in my office or maybe it was at home, and, and, uh, and it was addressed to my wife. And she hadn't opened it. And I, I'm convinced now she she didn't even know, she doesn't know where it is. And I don't even remember where it is right now. I just remember seeing it. Y'all ever done that? Am I the only one? Like you see it, like sitting on something, but you don't, you can't actually play. Okay. That's, okay, that's just me. Augie, pray for me. I, apparently I'm weird. But, but I, could, like, I could see it, but I can't see enough of where it's at to know exactly where it is. And, and, and it's a gift that, that she was given, but she hasn't yet opened and my wife does this sometimes, she'll wait like days to open a gift I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Like I want my birthday present at 12.01 <laughs> the night before. And not 12.01 Central, 12.01 Eastern, because I was born in the Eastern time zone. So here you can give it to me at 11.01. I, I, and, and listen, by 11.03 I've already opened it, I've already put it together. Because if you know me very well, you know I, don't, I can't put it together, so I don't have to put it together. So that, that just means opening it and like, and I'm already, I'm all in at 11.03. Like, and she'll wait like till the next night. I'm like, what? I don't know how. Okay, but, okay, okay. But this is, this is a free gift. But if we don't accept this gift, we don't take this gift, then it's really just sitting there. Go to Romans chapter 10. Let me read a few verses because the book of Romans gives us so much insight into this. I mean, it just is repeatedly talked about. But in Romans chapter 10, I'm gonna begin in verse three. It says, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God, not, not knowing what it means to be right with God, and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now, now let me say this. This group of people and in, in us, we try to figure out how to be righteous, and we do it on our own. Let me say it to you this way. The, the Bible says that, that we plan out our ways, but it's God who determines what, what really is the right way of righteousness. The reason that you do what you do, for the most part, is because you think it's right. The reason you go that way to work is because you think that's the best way, that right way. The reason that you fold your clothes that way is because you think that's the right way. The reason that you put the toilet paper on the thing that way is because you think it's supposed to roll that way. You don't do it because you think it's wrong. Now, you are you know, the reason that you don't put the toilet seat down or don't put it up is because you think, well, no, maybe that's not a good one. But you do these things because you think that they're right. And what happens is we think that we're right about this, and then it builds into that, and then we realize that this actually works, and hey, I'm kind of smart, and I can figure this out, and all of a sudden, it turns into, I know what righteousness means. I know how to be right with God. I need to do these things my way, and so if you don't wear a suit and tie to church, well, no, if, um, if it's not done the way you think it should be done, not because you can show it to me in Scripture, but because that's the way you think it should be done, then it's not Right? And we get into this, which really is goes back to tradition, which tradition makes the power of God of none effect, but our ways may seem right to us, but we need to submit to God's ways because when we seek to establish our own way to be right with God, we are not submitted to God's righteousness. And if we try to put on our own righteousness, we're not protected by this breastplate because this breastplate is the breastplate of righteousness. So we leave ourselves vulnerable. We leave our hearts vulnerable. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him, being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, being Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. He goes on to say, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. Now, again, in the Old Testament, this was all about finding out the rules, the law, what God wanted them to do, and doing them to the letter, to the T. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, because your heart is what God sees, your heart matters. Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that thing that is supposed to be protected because it is so vital, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, which is sozo, which is delivered, protected, preserved, prospered, and made whole and healed. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So once we accept this free gift and we believe it, not by our actions, but by our beliefs, by our trust, by our faith, then we are a new man or a new woman. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We become this new man, this new woman, because we believe, not because we were perfect. And this new man and this new woman has this position of righteousness, this position of being right with God. This is God coming up to you in the layup line and saying, now that you've believed, don't worry about this. You're on the team. You got the scholarship. You're good. And this new man is in that position. And because we now... Are this new man, this new woman, and because we are now in this position of being right with God, we are told that we should pursue righteousness, that we should go after it. And actually, whenever you go and study this out, and there's some other verses that, that tell us about this, but we don't have time to go to all of them, it is that we shouldn't just pursue it, but we should enslave ourselves to it. We should become slaves to righteousness. Why? Because we are a new man, a new woman, who is already positionally righteous and this is important because when we consistently choose to live righteously the bible confirms in fact that we are righteous but but here's here's the deal romans chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that the righteous should live by faith and and the bible is our training manual for how to live righteously by faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And the Bible tells us that it is actually the manual for us understanding and living righteously. Because so much of what we'll find of how to live righteously, we find in the scriptures. Now, there are portions where you won't necessarily find in the scriptures, but God will speak to you. And your obedience to what he says to you is also being righteous, being right with him. Being innocent, being holy, being just, And, and, and when we do this, it's very important to realize why we're doing this. Because so many Christians, what we do is we try to be righteous. We try to do these works like the Pharisees so that we can be right with God. And we try to work into that position. We try to come to church Every Sunday, every Wednesday, go to every faith group, which is all great. We, we give our tithes. We try to be generous. We pray. We do our best to forgive, even though we probably need more forgiveness than we actually distribute. And, and we do these things, and we, we try to memorize Scripture, and we, we, we try to be a better person, and we, we try to do all these works, So that we can get to this position of being right with God. Because we believe if we could be right with God, we will be satisfied and we will be blessed. But what we fail to realize is we are already in that position. And because we're in that position, we need now to work from that position, not work towards that position. See, when that coach came up to me before I was about to shoot that layup off the glass and slap the backboard... Not just the foam, by the way, but the glass. I forgot to mention that part. If, you, if you're a sports fan, you remember, the, the backboards had the foams and it came down a little bit lower than the goal. And so when I first started, I could just slap the foam. But now I was slapping the glass. I mean, you could hear it when I shot a layup. It was really funny, This kind of off the side, and then I'm going to get right back to this. So if I was on the left side, uh, you know, I, it was hard for me to jump off of one foot and slap the glass. So I would do this weird thing where I would jump off of two feet and I would shoot it with my right hand and I would touch the glass like that. And I would do like this 360 and then land like this. It was the only way I could touch the glass on the left side. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I just remembered that, and it was so fun, and it was so awesome, because I I mean, you would hear it. I felt like the man until that guy did a windmill. But when that coach came up to me, and he said, Evan, don't worry about this. I've seen you play. I want you on a team. You got the scholarship. You're good. See, the rest of that practice the rest of every practice after that, all the off-season workouts, every game after that, I never played, never one minute from that moment forward, I never played to impress him. Because I believed he already thought I was good. He already, he already liked me, he, he, he already had me on the team. Every practice, every moment of lifting weights and running sprints, every moment in every game after that, you know what I played? I played for him, not trying to impress him. I played to prove him right. I worked harder so that we both wouldn't look like a fool. I enjoyed playing. I never once in those two years felt the pressure of trying to impress my coach. And I played from that. And see, we need to realize we do not need To impress God that God is already impressed by you he made you and he don't make mistakes and he is looking at you and he is saying don't worry about it don't worry about what all those other people are doing don't worry about how super spiritual they look don't worry about what you're not You are good. You got the scholarship. You are on the team. Now play from that. And see, what happens is I played much harder. I got much better. I got much stronger, not because I was playing out of fear to impress a coach, but because I was playing for a different motivation. I had a burden lifted off of me to be able to play because I knew where I stood, not to try to prove where I needed to stand. And we need to do that in our spiritual lives. We need to live this life knowing where we stand and play from that. Because, see, listen, here's the truth. If you know that you're right with God, I can't really offend you. I mean, let's be honest. If I offend you, especially if I offend you really easily, it's because you, you're not confident that you're right with God. Oh, I got a little too real for you right there. I'm telling you, I've dealt with this. Like, not, not, not necessarily people like, like you all, but like other pastors or other situations. And I'm like, oh, man, I cannot believe. And if I really get down to the heart, it's because in that area or in that time or in that season, I didn't really trust that I was right with God. I had a pastor friend of mine. This was this was now a year or so ago, and 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 man, I just had a Sunday that after I was done, like I, I just man, I felt horrible, not, not like sick, like I felt like I did bad. I felt like I was doing bad. I felt like man, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't know I wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't know. It was, just, it, was, it, was, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. I mean, I I felt bad, and 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 I reached out to this guy who's another pastor who's a friend of mine and. And man, we were talking, and I was telling him I was just being vulnerable with him. Like, listen, man, I, I, man, I, I, don't know, I just I feel bad. And, and 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 he asked me a question. He said, he said, Evan, well, let's start here. You know, God's happy with you, right? And I sat on the other end of that phone, and I couldn't honestly answer yes. I, I knew the spiritual answer, I knew the scriptures, but in my heart. Did I really believe that God was happy with me? If I'm honest, the answer was no. No. Because if God was happy with me, I wouldn't make these mistakes. I would be a better preacher. I would be more compassionate. I would pray more. I would have memorized how to say all these Old Testament names. You know, I, I would never miss those opportunities to be a great minister, pray for somebody, give. I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't do this stuff. And let's, let's just be honest. God, if you were really happy with me, our church would have grown more by now. Can I be honest? It's too late. It's already out there. And I had a really hard, I had to, I, had to, I couldn't answer in that moment. And I, and I had to get to, my, get to a place where I had to answer the question, though. Like, you can't just leave that question out there. And listen, that, that's a part of my struggle. That may not be yours, but, but I bet you you have one. I bet you there's one of these areas that you're like, God, I'm not positive that you're happy with me. I'm not positive that we're right. Okay, we're good. I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Man, God, I'm doing everything I can. But I'm not positive that, that you're really there with me right here. Or more so that I'm really with you right there. And here's what I know. The more you try to squeeze to do right and be right, the more you uh, that's just going to slip out of your hand. And the more that you let go and trust God and what he says and what he says about you, the more that he'll fill your hands. Not just with blessing. It's not just about blessing. But there's a peace that I have now. And no matter how many of y'all show up or skip next Sunday, whether I need a microphone to talk or not, there is a peace, and I'm not perfect. And I, I, I Listen, listen, it's not perfect. When I looked out there at about 1020, and what, none of y'all here, I I, I, I got to fight that. I, I got to struggle with that. I don't know why y'all get confused. We've had 1030 service for 10 years. I don't know why y'all don't know that it starts at 1030. And that 1040, I, that's, a, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm about to give up on that and just, 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 but what, we won't start late. I can't do that, but, you know. But I still have to fight that. And it's not about you, it's about me and God. And it's about do I really believe that I'm, me and God are cool. Because here's the deal, if me and God are cool, it is not up to me to get any one of you sitting in these seats. It is not up to me to get any one of you or your family members or your friends saved. It is not up to me to give some great uh, super spiritual word that changes your life forever. None of that's up to me. But if I'm trying to do it in my own, then I take on that weight of trying to be right, and it's too heavy of a weight to carry, and I will run every single one of y'all out here with my wisdom. Now, again, that may not be your struggle, but the quicker all of us can realize that we are right with God because of what he did and because of what he says. And now I work and live through that, and the results are not up to me. The results are not up to you. Whether you get that job, whether you get that promotion, whether you get that house, whether you get that car, really, you put that in God's hand, you let him deal with it. And you be satisfied and receive the blessing of being positionally righteous. So how do we put on this breastplate of righteousness? We put it on every day by faith. You speak it. You pray it. You say, God, I am putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I am trusting that being right with you, you're going to guard my heart against every arrow, against every bullet, against everything that tries to come in and, and affect my heart. I will not be offended today. I will not be jealous today. I will not be easily angered today. I will not respond out of my flesh today. I am going to guard my heart with everything that I have and keep my heart pure and holy and soft towards you and towards your people, and because I'm right with you, I know that anything that tries to come, that breastplate is going to reflect, it is going to distract, it is going to push off, and it will not hurt me because no weapon formed against me will prosper. You put that on every day, every day by faith, by prayer, by speaking it. But here's where so many of us miss it, and it's with all these pieces that we then need to leave that moment and go live it. We can put it on in our prayer closet all day, every day, but we go out and consistently choose unrighteousness, and we are taking that breastplate off. And when we take that breastplate off, we are opening up our heart to be wounded, which could be fatal, to be hardened, which could take us our lives to get over, to be punctured, to be hurt. We are opening ourselves up to a pain that God never intended for us to experience. And so every day, put it on by faith. Put it on by prayer. Speak it, but live it. Leave that moment. Leave your house. Leave that car. Doing what you can to prove God right. To live from that position. And if you miss up, and if you miss it, ask him to forgive you. Return your heart back, and you're right back there. That day in that tryout, I missed shots. I didn't play great. I didn't dunk it. Not one time. I made mistakes that day. And over the next two years playing there, I made mistakes. (laughs) But I never lost my position on the team. I... I stayed on the team. And the only way that I could have gotten off that team was to quit. You're on God's team if you're a believer. And you may make a mistake, but you're still going to be on the team. The only way you get off this team is if you turn your back and you walk away from God. Not in a moment, not in a mistake, but as a choice and as a lifestyle. We want to make sure today that every single person is on the team. Would you all mind just for a moment bowing your heads and closing your eyes? I want to give you an opportunity to make sure that you're on the team. Or maybe this is just an opportunity to ask God to forgive you and giving you a chance to come back to him. We read in Romans chapter 10 that if we will confess with our mouth and we'll believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. We will be sozo. There's a confession that needs to happen with our mouth because there is the power of life and death in our words. But there's also a belief and a faith that needs to occur in our hearts so that we'll have the opportunity and the ability. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.